The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 17. The third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke is what you'll come to. Chapter 17. For a standalone message today that is titled, One Out of Ten. Once you're in Luke 17, find your way to verse 11, where we read and it says, Now it happened as he, which is Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face and knelt at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Church, if you believe that this was a true and is a true event that is recorded in God's word for us, and it happened just like God said it did, everyone say it happened and I'll move on. Let's join together as we go to our Savior in prayer. Father, thank you for eyes to see your word, a mind to interpret it, and a heart in which to hide it. I pray that you'd open all those avenues right now, Lord, as we seek to glorify you in this time of the preaching of your word. We love you, Jesus, and we are encouraged and smiles are on our faces today, Lord, because of what you have done and because of who it is that you are. In Jesus' name, and we all say together, amen. There was a man named Henry Ironside. He was a pastor in the early to mid-1900s, and he goes into a restaurant and he sits down to, to have a meal. And as was more custom in those days than it is now, some stranger walks up and sees this man alone at a table and asks if he can join Mr. Ironside at, at this table to enjoy a meal together. And so they sit down and they're talking and chatting and the waitress comes, they order their food, and when the food is brought to them, Pastor Ironside, he, as was his custom, bowed his head, closed his eyes and folded his hands, and he just said a silent prayer to himself. And when he was done saying this quiet prayer to himself, he looked back up and the man across the table from him is saying, is, is there something wrong with your food? And he said, no. And he says, what, well, does your head hurt or something? And Pastor Ironside says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I should have told you, I'm a Christian and it's my custom to just pray. When my food comes, I pray and give thanks to the Lord for the meal that, that God has given me and, and then I eat after I pray. And, and then the man across the table rolls his eyes and he says, oh, you're one of those people. He says, I, I, don't, I don't ever give thanks for my food. I've worked for every dime that I have, and when my food comes, I just dive right in. I don't give any kind of thanks. And as Pastor Ironside is 
politely putting his napkin on his lap, he says, yes, my, uh, my dog does the same thing. So. so church, it's Thanksgiving this week, and the temptation for all of us, I believe, not just us collectively as the fellowship of believers here at New Covenant, but everyone probably in our nation and perhaps even in our world, we will be tempted to celebrate this holiday season like a dog scarfing down the food that's before it and, and not giving thanks to God and saying that 2020 has been for the birds, give me another drumstick. Like that's, that's going to be the temptation for many of us, I believe, this year. And, and it is true that 2020 has been a very different year. There are some words and terms and phrases that we have used in voluminous quantities. Words, terms, and phrases that we never, at the beginning of 2020, ever thought that we would use. Things like COVID-19, contagious, drive-in services, disease, Dr. Fauci, epidemic, election year, forehead thermometers, flatten the curve, fever, hydroxychloroquine, herd immunity, hand sanitizer. Incubation period, infections, lockdowns, mandates, masks, Mike DeWine, murder hornets, outbreak, pandemic, PPE, PPP, presidential election, quarantine, riots, self-quarantine, stimulus checks, shelter in place, social distancing, symptomatic, toilet paper, ventilators, virus, and the one that I personally love to hate the most, unprecedented. It just triggers my gag reflex just saying that word. And the world will be sitting down at the Thanksgiving table this week, and they will be many people thinking that 2020 has just been a throwaway year. And they will not be giving thanks. And I'm going to make the argument this morning that when Christians gather together around the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas table or the New Year's table, when we gather together with family and friends to celebrate these holidays and the end of this year, I'm going to make the argument that we ought to be a thankful people. Amen? First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything. Everyone say the word everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I know what many people might be thinking. They're saying, okay, so Pastor Ben, are we really supposed to be thankful for 2020? Like, was there any really redeeming qualities of 2020? To which I would say... Maybe not, but there are some unchanging things about our Lord that I believe, I so believe, that are worth being thankful for and over. So go in your Bibles. We're in Luke 17. Look back to verse 11, which we've already read. And, and you know what I think I'm going to do today? Somebody, One of you actually asked me within the past couple weeks, and it was kind of funny because I think it was the first time that I've, as a pastor, have ever been asked this question. And it was, what, what's your quiet time, Bible reading, fellowship time with the Lord like throughout the week? And I proceeded to answer this person that, for me, it's predominantly my best and most fruitful times of worship and prayer and, and sometimes preaching to myself. And when I'm preaching to myself, sometimes I preach some good messages to myself. They're convicting, and sometimes they're really long messages. But... But for me, it's usually driving in the car is one of the places that I have such sweet time of fellowship with my Lord and also uh, out in the barn after the animals are fed. I've done the evening chores and the cows and horses are munching on their hay and, and they're the only ones listening. I think I'm just going to do that today. I'm going to preach as if I'm preaching myself because I know that I need to hear the message today. And uh, I'm just going to pretend like there are cows and horses munching on hay, not to compare you all to livestock, but that's just... So if you're in your Bibles, look to verse 11. 
It says, Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. Now as my Bible knowledge serves me, uh, Jesus, I believe, had already been through this vicinity before. He had already gone through this area teaching and preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's now returning to Jerusalem. He's on his way to be crucified. That was the purpose for which he was going back to Jerusalem was to be the sacrificial lamb of God that would take away our sins when we repent and trust and follow him. And that's what he is on his way to do. So the question that very quickly comes to the surface out of the text this morning is, why does the Bible tell us that he went through this area? Is it just a fluke? Is it just a fluke that, that it tells us about this encounter that Jesus has with these ten lepers? You know, we know from what we understand of the Apostle Luke that he would have been a physician. Did Luke just think it was cool that his master and his saviors is having a conversation with ten diseased people, so therefore he's a doctor and thought it was cool, so he wrote it down? I don't believe so. I believe that there is a, a true and real purpose that God intended to meet these lepers. And we know from all the entirety of God's word and the nature of our Lord that none of these things happen by accident. His word is not there by accident. That was not a fluke. But the thing that we can say specifically of this text that tells us that there's a very special real reason for why Jesus went through this area, particularly this certain village, is because it tells us he goes into this certain village. It was not simply through the main roads of Samaria and Galilee to get back to Jerusalem, he goes into a certain village. It would not have been on a main road. There was a detour taken. As best I can tell from God's word here, he went into this small suburb type area because I believe with all my heart that he intended to meet these 10 leprous men. I'm convinced fully of that. Now, leprosy in biblical times was what we know it as today. We call it Hansen's disease. We no longer usually call it leprosy. But in addition to it being just what we know as Hansen's disease, it was probably also in the Bible someone that was labeled a leper was someone who had a skin condition, a mold condition, be it in their house or on their clothing, a mildew type issue that they would have in their house. That type person would also fall underneath this category of leprosy as best I can tell. And the real dread in biblical times of becoming a leper was not the actual disease or the skin problem or the mold or mildew problem that you had in your house. That was not the real dreadful piece of becoming a leper. The real dreadful thing here was what it meant to be an outcast, someone that was a, a throwaway people. The condition of leprosy or Hansen's disease or any of the other issues that would have likely considered someone to be underneath this category of a leper, none of those things. They would certainly be cumbersome. There would be problems on the skin and certain issues in the face and the ears and the appendages, the fingers and feet. Usually people that have Hansen's disease deals with those kinds of things. For those of you in the medical industry, you know what I'm talking about. But, but those were not the real issues because those things were usually not life-threatening in and of themselves. It was this being afar off, this standing afar off. In today's world, our social distancing is six feet. And I always think it's funny when you walk into like the car store, the car parts place, it says, stay one car apart, which gives you like an idea of what six feet should be. And then you walk into places like Rural King and it says, stay one cow apart. You know, it's just funny the different measurements that people use. But, but as best I can tell, my Bible, com my, the commentaries in my office tell me, at a very minimum, someone in this 
time period, a, their version of social distancing would have been a minimum of 18 feet. That was the closest at all that you could get to someone if you were underneath this category of being a leper without having stones thrown at you, literally. And this was the true plight of the person who was a leper, being alone in a colony with other lepers, being seen as a throwaway people, being in a community of people that are essentially just waiting to die. There's a 12-year-old boy named David who uh, was born without an immune system. And for 12 years, he lived in a bubble, a plastic bubble, literally. For 12 years, he was never touched unless it was through a gloved hand. For 12 years, he couldn't go outside unless he was wearing a Tyvek suit and all these masks and all these things because anything, the slightest germ, the slightest bacteria or virus, the tiniest thing could kill this boy named David. And once it was ascertained that at 12 years of age, he would be able to have a successful bone marrow transplant that would then renew his immune system such that he could go on his life as a normal person at that point in time. And just prior to the surgery, one of the healthcare professionals asked this young boy, David, they said, what, when, when you're healed and, and you've got your immune system back and you can go on and live your life like everyone else, what are you looking forward to most? He said, I'm looking forward to walking through the grass with my shoes off. I'm looking forward to knowing what, it, what my mother's hand feels like. This, indeed, was the plight of the leper in biblical days. And Jesus goes into a certain village to meet ten of them. So what's the interpretation here? What, what, what's the sermon that I preach to myself when the only people listening are the barn cats and the cow and the horses? Like, like what do I preach to myself? I say, you know, it's been a tough year this year. 2020 has, has had some incredible challenges associated with it. People are divided like they never have been, perhaps in the entire history of humanity. People love to be angry. How weird is that? that? That people get excited about being triggered about something. That's what people long to be angry. People look for reasons to be divided and angry. I've got in my own personal life, I've got family members and siblings that are very likely on their way to hell because they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this has been a hard year. Pastoring a church in this time and age is a very difficult and trying task. But I remind myself when I'm preaching to myself down there in the barn all alone in the evening after the animals are fed, I preach and I say, you know, Jesus, you are on your way to fulfill the greatest task ever. The most heroic thing, the most important thing of you being crucified on a cross for my sake and, and doing all that you're going to Jerusalem to go and accomplish and be put in a grave and raised to life. And I mean, all the wonderful things that you were getting ready to do, you still went to a certain village. You still didn't forget the condition of those ten leprous men who were in this miserable, horrific state. You still remembered them and where they were. And I remind myself, Lord, you've not forgotten me in 2020. You've not forgotten the things that my heart considers. You've not forgotten the things that burden us as we've gone through this trialsome year. So point number one that you can write down this morning. 2020 has not hindered God's awareness of our broken condition. And, in, and broken we are indeed. 2020 has not hindered God's awareness of our broken condition. Luke 12, verse 7, it says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You felt scared, you felt fearful, alone, nervous, and afraid. You felt uncertain about what's going on in the future. But Jesus has known about it all together, church. If you believe it, say amen. I'm glad that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer to the brother. Are you? Everyone nod your head and say yes. That's a good thing that Jesus is, he knows what we're going through. He's not forgotten us in this year. 
All right, look now, if you would, please, to verse 13. You guys are so much better to preach to than cows and horses. Not just because you say amen, for lots of other reasons, too, but that's one of them. So, verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, everyone say, as they went with me. Ready, set, go. As they went, they were cleansed. Now what I imagine, the Bible only explicitly tells us that as they went, I don't know if it was like as they were going in a certain point and immediately they were healed, or it was like what I kind of imagined in my mind, and I don't know if this is exactly true, but I'm imagining like as they're going, as they're taking the steps to go show themselves to the priests, to go do what it was that Jesus had told them to do, that, that perhaps, again, this is it only explicitly says as they went, but perhaps as they're taking steps, they begin to see the boils on their skin to go away. They begin to see the issues and the, the problems they had on their skin that made them these leprous people. They start to see these things progressively go away as they're going. And something so amazing and interesting happens in the minds of these ten men as they're going. They all see that they're being healed. They all see that they're being cleansed. And if I'm, if I'm imagining what, what nine of the ten are thinking to themselves, they're thinking to themselves, yes, I'm cleansed now. I get to go back to work. I get to go back to my family. I get to go back to my friends. I get to go back to doing the things that I enjoy doing. I'm no longer going to have to live in this leprous colony. I can now go and be a part of society again. I don't have to stay 18 feet away from all people until they start throwing rocks at me to get me to be driven back to go back to the place that I came from. I, I can be a part of life again. But there was one of these ten men who probably thought those very same things. Yes, I get to go back to my family and my friends and all the things that I just mentioned. But there was a different thought in his mind. He thought to himself, wait a second, that Jesus man has not forgotten. He, this Messiah, it even says, Jesus, Master, have mercy. They knew about who he was, who he claimed to be, and he thought to himself probably, this Jesus Messiah. I've got, I'm being cleansed, but, but man, I just got to go back. Before I go, I've got to go back and worship and praise him. And I'll mention more about that in a minute. But, but what, what, a, what a sweet and special thing that this man just didn't just love the blessings, but he loved the blessing giver. Amen? It makes me wonder to myself, what would have happened? What would have happened is if when Jesus says, go, show yourself to the priest, if those men would have just said, no. Or if one of them or a couple of them would have just decided to stay there. And we don't know explicitly because it tells us that they all went and we know that they were all cleansed in this way. But I believe that this principle we see all around us. And I believe, based on God's word, that had there been some or all of them that chose not to go to the priest, I don't believe they would have experienced the being cleansed as they were going experience. And I think we see this all throughout Scripture. Uh, these men had a great blessing in being obedient doing what it was that Jesus commanded them to do. And I think we see that all throughout God's Word. You and I experience great blessings when we are giving people. We know that God has called us, just like Jesus called these men to go show themselves to the priests, God has called us to be a giving people. And when we are, I believe, we're recipients of the blessing mentioned in Malachi 3.10, where it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. 
that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. I believe we receive that kind of blessing. I believe we receive the kind of blessing in Acts 20, 35, where it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, the pastor's talking about money. He's a money-hungry pastor. Just go jump in the creek because... You obviously don't know anything about me or this ministry. And I've, I know this principle to be true, first and foremost, because God's word says it. But I also know that I've robbed myself of blessing from not having obeyed scripture, from not having obeyed the, the go, show yourself to the priest, and, and not experiencing the great blessing that is within obeying God. Let me give you another example. We're called to trust God. We know this. Even non-believers know this. Even people who don't know anything about God's word know that God calls us to trust him. The God of the Bible, the true one and only God, calls his followers to trust him. And when we do, when you have, when I have, we have we've seen it in God's word, knowing it to be true through his word. And we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good because we've been recipients of the blessing in Psalm 119, verse 114, which says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. We've been recipients of the blessing of Psalm 62, 8, which says, Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts before him, and God is a refuge for us. We've been recipients of the blessing of Psalm 91, verse 1 to 2, which says, He dwells in the secret place of the Most High and shall abide under the shadow of the, of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. So how is it that God becomes a hiding place, a shield, and a refuge, and a shadow under which we can hide? When we obey him, when we obey him and we follow what it is that we're supposed to do, you experience that go to, your, to the priest and show yourselves to the priest, and you experience the healing as you walk in what it is that God has called us to do. Uh, for those of you that um, have ever seen this before, or maybe even perhaps you've seen it depicted in a movie or some kind of nature show, when a when a mother hen sits on the eggs for about 21 days and the chicks hatch, if the little chicks do what they're supposed to, when they're out in the barnyard, they, and on a sunny day and, and the, the shadow of the mother hen is cast on the ground, these little chicks will stay inside that shadow. It's kind of amazing how close they can stay. And the chicken never seems to step on the babies. It's amazing. But it's amazing that when these little chicks do what they're supposed to do, they're, they're in the shadow of the mother. A hawk can't get them when they're in the shadow. They're protected even from weather and wind and rain when they're underneath and that close to the, what they're supposed to be doing. And I just, what a great picture of the protection that God gives to us when we're obedient to him. So what's the point here, church? Leprosy, we know, was an ugly thing, not just in the way it felt socially being distanced from people, but also the way it felt physically and the facial features that would be changed from people that experienced this leprosy, Hansen's disease. It was an ugly, horrible, rotten situation, but there was something about this horrible, ugly, rotten situation that did not hinder Jesus, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit did the plight of these ten men hinder Jesus at all. Not at all has the things of 2020 hindered Jesus. Amen? Not at all has the social distancing or any of the things of the political upheaval or the riots or all the things that we mentioned. None of those things have hindered our Lord. Point number two, 2020 has not hindered blessings and obedience. It's not hindered your ability to obey him. 
It's not hindered my ability to obey him. It's still the best thing to, to do to say yes to Jesus. Amen? To read his word and say, I'm going to live God's way. Yes, even in 2020. And when I preach to myself down in the evening when the chores are done and I'm preaching to myself, I say, you know, this has been, a, this has been an ugly year. This has been an ugly situation in this year where all this, even large things, the economy that people are questioning and the political landscape in our world today, like, like there's some large ugly things, but it has not hindered my Lord, not even a little bit. You know, sometimes I'm reminded of Joshua in Joshua chapter 7. He's leading the Israelites and things had been going pretty well until they take a group of the Israelite soldiers against the people of Ai. You probably remember the story. There weren't many people in Ai, but they go down and they're defeated by them. And Joshua is on the ground, on his face before the Lord, and usually you see that being a good thing in God's word when people are broken like this before the Lord, but God says something that's, that's so interesting to Joshua. Joshua's there, Lord, what are we going to do? These people beat us. and Have you brought us out to the wilderness just to be slaughtered? And Have you brought us into 2020 just to experience this rotten year? And God says to Joshua, get up. Get up off your face. You know what you're supposed to do. You know why you've been beat. It's because there's this defilement inside the people and you have not followed the law of which I've given you. Get up, sanctify the people, get off of your face. You know what you ought to be doing. And so many times, I'm going to preach to myself right now, man, how many times this year have I, down at that barn in the evening when the chores are done, have I just been wallowing in self-pity and, and stress and anxiety about all the things that have gone on this year? Lord, how am I supposed to lead this church? I'm only a young man, and this church is growing, my family's growing, I'm so busy with all these things. How am I supposed to serve you faithfully, God, in a culture where people just want to be angry? Like, how am I supposed to do that, God? But then all of a sudden, I hear this still small voice of God's word that comes and says, get up. What are you doing down here wallowing in this self-pity? You've got a wife. Go love her. First Peter 3.7 says to dwell together with understanding. I've already told you what to do. Go. Show yourself to the priest. Go. Dwell together with understanding with your wife. Get up off the ground. This barn floor is a terrible place to be praying on, the, on your knees anyway because it's filthy. But get up and go love your wife. I've already told you what it is that you ought to be doing. It has not hindered. 2020 has not hindered my ability to be obedient nor do I believe that it has hindered at all Jesus' ability to bless us when we're obedient to him. God's already told me what to do regarding me being a dad to my little daughter. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. God has already said, go and show yourself to the priest. Get up off the ground, quit wallowing in the self-pity, and go love your daughter. Raise her up to love and to trust me. He's already told me what it is that I ought to do. So, Lord, I pray that you would never let this group of believers or myself, never let us be robbed of the Jeremiah 29 good blessings and good plan that you would have for us because we're disobedient thinking that this year is lost, Lord. Father, I pray that we would be trusters of your word until it changes us. God, thank you for being infinitely greater and more powerful than a crummy year. In Jesus' name, and all the church says, there was an eight-year-old whose name was Christina, and she had cancer of the nervous system. I don't even know what that would feel like, but it cannot be good. 
And it was asked, this girl, after she had had a round of chemo treatment, and if you've ever had this yourself or if you've been around anyone who's ever gone through chemotherapy treatments, you know that the week, days and sometimes weeks following are just miserable. Their whole body and immune system is wrecked, and, and they just go through horrible, horrible pain. It's an ugly situation. It's a leprous situation. It's a 2020-year type situation. And one of the caretakers of this young girl says, is there anything that we can get you that she had just had her chemo treatment and she knew that she was getting ready to go into some, some rough days ahead of her, which we still might have some rough days ahead of us in 2020 or in 2021. We may. To which this little girl replied it when it was asked her if she could be brought anything. She says, you know what? I've got my cabbage patch doll and two coloring books. I've got everything I need. So I just pray, church, that you and I would be able to go be the type of people that would say, you know what, we've got God's word, we've got his command, it hasn't hindered God blessing us being obedient to him, we've got all we need, let's keep on marching in this year. If you believe it, say amen. Look to verse 15 now, if you would. And it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So as the nine continued to run on, thinking only of the blessings, there was one, this one particular Samaritan man, who decided that he was going to go back to give thanks to the blessing giver and not just to give thanks for the blessings themselves. And I pray right now that you, that you would really be able to get this and not just be a, a, an intellectual digester of God's Word, but that you would truly get a heart's understanding of interpreting God's Word this morning. Let's understand clearly what's happening here. The men are running together. They're having these realizations of the things that are going to be good. They're going to get to go back to their families, all these things. This one man decides to go back and to worship the blessing giver and not just the blessing itself. And, and remember, because the picture I had in my mind when I read this too, quickly like I do most of the time is I thought he'd just go back Jesus thank you so much and then he turns around and keeps on running with the rest of his friends that was not the picture of what's happened here it says that he goes back to glorify God with a loud voice Jesus thank you thank you God for doing my goodness what, what, what amazing Messiah you are look at your power look what your power has done to me and it doesn't say that he then turns around on his heels and then runs back. What does it say? It says that he, he gets on his face. He gets down on his face, church, to the ground at his feet. And he worships him. Ten out of ten loved the blessing. One out of ten loved the blessing giver. And 2020 has shed a light on the fact that there are many of us, myself included, that a lot of us really just love blessings and not the blessing giver. I have been discouraged to the point where I feel like God's no longer in control. It ought not to be so in my heart, church. I've been disgruntled to the point where I'm short with people. It ought not to be so, church. 
And I know that this is not just me preaching to me down at the barn in the evening when the animals are done being fed. This is all of us because I've seen, perhaps some of you need to know this, when you're friends with someone on Facebook, everyone can see the language that you're using. And there are people who call themselves in this room today devoted Christians of God and followers of Christ, born-again believers, and they're using language that would just be appalling to use in a church. You ought to have your mouth washed out with soap. If your mother could come out of the grave, that's what she'd be doing. It ought not to be so, church, for the redeemed child of God to use that kind of language. I know that you're disgruntled the same way that I have been. So let us repent and go to the abundant mercy that God offers to save us. Amen. I've been dissatisfied with the roof over my head, the food in my mouth, and the bed underneath my body. It ought not to be so, church. And here's something that's just really special that really moves my heart to change, and I hope you see this morning. These 10 men were cleansed. All of them were cleansed of their leprosy. But there was one of them who was made well. The word of God says they were all cleansed, but one of them was made well. Could it be church that this year God has intended to teach his followers that God has intended to teach his bride, not just to love blessings, but to love the blessing giver. Not just to love the presence that he gives us, but to love but to, to love the nature of who it is that he is. So last and finally, the third point, 2020 has not hindered the thanksgiving of the one out of ten. This year has not hindered you from being the one out of ten that turns around and says, you know what, I've been so selfish. I've only been happy with God when he's given me everything and all the years have gone easy for me. And then you hit this hiccup, this bump in the road called 2020. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm angry and I'm disgruntled and I'm, and I'm seeking a reason to be mad. This ought not to be so. I'm going to turn back. And say, to, I'm going to love the blessing giver, not just the blessings. So what will it look like for you, church, as you gather around the Thanksgiving table? Are you, are you going to be like the rest of the world? And like a dog that just scarfs down the food? Give me another chicken wing or give me another turkey drumstick. This year has been for the birds. I believe, church, that when a Christian comes to those tables, we ought to take a moment this week, when we celebrate Thanksgiving, we ought to take a moment. We ought to take more than just a moment. We ought to take a couple moments and say, Lord, whether you bless me or not, I love you. Whether you bless me or not, I love you. And it was made plain that the apostles had that kind of love for their Savior because there was a lot of times when they weren't blessed, especially when you see how their lives were ended. It wasn't about the blessings for them. It was about Jesus. And my goodness, have we been so spoiled in the church in America today where we have made it about blessings. We've made it about comfortable chairs and nice facilities and coffee. We've made it about being comfortable in our emotions and our relationships with other people. It's not been about loving Jesus. But this one out of ten, the one out of ten that I desire in my heart for God to make me love Jesus and not just the blessings. Would you stand with me as we come to the music? So I'm encouraging you to a joyful, cognizant thanksgiving of Jesus that can only be had, church. It can only be had if you just love him. If you just love him. If you just love what it is that he done. If he never gave you another blessing your whole life. A heart that says, I'll still follow you. That's the one out of ten Thanksgiving church that I want to have today. 
and I don't want to say that, Lord, you've thrown this year away. You've not given me anything good this year. Let 2020 slip away. No, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. If you give me 2021 even worse than this year, I'm still going to love you. I've still found a peace inside of you, Jesus, that it cannot be found anywhere else. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, make us a thankful people. Make us a people lovers of who you are. God, I pray right now for there be anybody here that has struggled as I have with a discontented heart. Would you draw us to repentance, I pray, Lord. For those of us that do not know you, Jesus, draw them too, I pray. Let us be like the one out of ten lepers that goes back and just, just to marvel at the person of Jesus. Not to marvel at the, the cleanliness of our skin and the lack of leprosy and the lack of problems and the blessed life that's coming. But Jesus, if you would make us such that we would come back to you and say, Jesus, I love you for who it is that you are. Blessings or not. In Jesus' name, we all say together, this altar is open to come and praise and worship.